0: Welcome to the first ever My Tribe podcast. This is Timmy Allen. I'm psyched to be here today starting up this new podcast. You know, this idea of the My Tribe podcast has been on my mind. It's been on my to-do list for a really long time, like for years. And it's just one of those things that I've never gotten to. Um, and now we're in this time period of coronavirus and social isolation. And I've sort of made this personal rule that anything that's on my to-do list when social social isolation ends can no longer stay on my to-do list. Whatever I don't get done now when we're living in this state of affairs has to be gone for good. And I'm really excited to use this time to finally start up this podcast. Um, As many of you know, I already have two other podcasts. I do the Teacher's Cup of Coffee, which I've been doing for a few years now, and I love doing that. And I've also started the Leader's Cup of Coffee, which I've only done a couple episodes on. I hope to get more momentum soon but both of those podcasts are meant for educators and this one is totally different this is a straight up personal podcast and this sort of stemmed from me knowing and even continually realizing that nothing is more important in my life than my relationships there's just nothing more important than the friends and family i have that i love that i learn from that i respect that i have fun with there it's just the driving force in my life it always has been it always will be And I wanted to find a way to start to honor them, start to be able to remember them better, and start to focus on them in a new way. So the goal of this podcast is not to get many listeners. This is not meant for the masses at all. If you don't know me and or my guest, there won't be much point in listening to this podcast. This podcast, the way I look at it, really has four objectives. Objective number one. I want to sort of create an oral history of my relationships. I want to have a way to document sort of what's happened in the past with me and the people I love and maybe just as importantly what's happening currently with me and the people that I'm close to. You know it's maybe it's a a good way to think about this first objective is it'll be a good way for my kids to listen to these interviews and understand all of the different relationships that drive my life and understand what I've gotten out of them, what are the fun memories from those, you know, and what has been the journey with each of these people. Objective number two is a really selfish one, and I hope it comes true. I hope I am lucky enough to live a long life, and I hope someday I'm sitting around in a nursing home really trying to fill my day. And if I do this podcast well and keep it going and keep it consistent, I think it'll be a lot of fun to be able to listen back on all these interviews and sort of smile about all the incredible relationships I've had, listening to old stories and things like that. The third objective is, you know, it's different right now. We're dealing with coronavirus. A lot of us are connecting um, in new ways with those of us, uh, with with people in our lives that maybe we don't always connect with. Uh, We've obviously had to slow down at a rate we've never had to slow down. But in general, when life gets back to normal, it's easy to... Think we're fostering strong relationships just by a quick text or a quick like on Facebook, and I think this podcast is going to help me slow down and have. It's going to force me, if I do it well, to have focused conversations with people that I care about, and I'll have to be mindful in these conversations. They'll be, they'll have some length to them, so I really think it's going to be a good way not only to document the relationships I've had, but to continue to grow the relationships I've had. And lastly, we'll see if this happens, but the fourth objective would be to connect us all to each other more. So maybe you um, haven't heard from somebody in a while, or, or haven't really checked in on somebody in a while, and maybe you'll see that they're a guest on my podcast, you'll listen to it, you'll sort of be able to learn about where they are at in their life currently, and at the very least, You'll, you'll sort of feel updated. You'll sort of hopefully feel like you spent some time with that person by listening to the podcast. And at the very best, maybe it would inspire you to reach out to that person. So for these last two objectives, well, let me, let me just review real quick. So first objective is to sort of document the relationships I've had uh, with sort of an oral history. Second objective, to give myself something to listen to in the nursing home. Third objective, to have long, focused conversations with people I love, and fourth objective, to help others connect as well. And I gotta be honest, with three and four, I think this first interview with Ryan McCullum accomplished both. Um, As much as I keep in touch with Ryan, and as much as I was sending him texts and reaching out here and there when he was going through everything with the birth of his daughter Esme, I didn't, however, I didn't really ever have a long conversation with him about it. And as you'll see in this podcast, we have a very long conversation about the details of Esme coming into this world. And I'm just so blessed to have finally really heard the stories. And I'll be honest, when we pressed stop on the podcast, we talked for another half an hour. So as much as Ryan and I are in touch, I would say him being on this podcast led to an hour and a half conversation that was probably the best conversation we've had in years. So that's why I think that objective will work. Um, and I think for a lot of you, objective number four could come true right here. I know a lot of us have supported Ryan and Maureen however, we've, however we could through all this. But if you've never really really fully understood their story, I think after this podcast you will. So I think objective four of connecting us more to each other uh, will be met for many of you. So before I get started, there's just one more thing I wanted to say. Relationships, as I mentioned, are the most important thing in my life and I'm so blessed to have so many incredible ones. And as most people close to me know, there's no one I listen to more than Bruce Springsteen. And at the end of his Broadway show, which I was lucky enough to attend once and of course I've seen on Netflix and listened to the album, he he has one of my favorite quotes of all time. The quote is, We sing for our blood and for our people because that's all we have at the end of the day. And I know he says we sing, but for me, what he meant there was we live. We live for our blood and for our people, because that's all we have at the end of the day. So I'm so excited to be starting this My Tribe podcast. I look forward to interviewing so many great people in My Tribe. And I thank you for listening. And without further ado, here is my first interview with Ryan McCullum. All right. Well, I'm here with today's guest, Ryan McCullum, one of my best friends since uh, I believe about fifth grade, if not a little bit earlier. One of the most important influences in my life growing up, certainly uh, in the theme of this podcast, a relationship I'm really grateful for and a relationship I've reaped a lot of benefits for for a long time.
1: Uh, so how you doing today, McCullum? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's, uh, it's an interesting time we're in, but I'm doing really well.
0: Yeah, we are... Uh, we are recording this right in the midst of the quarantine, so uh, we are on Zoom, we are not live and in person, but we're all getting pretty used to Zoom, so this feels more yeah. natural than it should.
1: <laughs> and and uh, I try not to correct everybody, but I'll correct you, man. It's not a quarantine. Okay. Right? We're isolated. You're quarantined when you're that's right sick or you, you, you might have been sick. All right, but I've let I've let that one go. Yeah, it feels They're like oh, I'm quarantined. I'm like, well, you know, we're quarantined to my house. If I get sick, I guess I'm
0: quarantined to a room. Word. Uh, no, but I hear you. I hear you. Um, so today we're really going to be focusing on focusing on Ryan, how you became a dad recently. But mm-hmm. I can't help but just say a couple things about uh, some memories from growing up. So, um, one of my favorite memories with you ever is the time you took me into Ian's bedroom couple weeks before christmas oh yeah, yeah like yo
1: i found our christmas gifts and you, you gotta say out. how old we were yeah. yeah how old were we it must have been um seventh grade seventh grade my first seventh grade yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another memory right so yeah. i always say seventh grade was the best two years of my life yeah. my, <laughs> my mother held me back because i found girls the first seventh grade and I <laughs> you sure bark. did <laughs> yeah seventh grade and we and you pulled out the original holy
0: cross heat uniforms that our dads had ordered for us uh, yeah man which the heat were a pretty new franchise at that point so they were really cool Mm -hmm. and then on the scale of cyo uniforms in the 90s in the early 90s close those were ridiculous how good they were ridiculous
1: because like it seemed like mesh had just come out yeah, yeah. Like mesh shorts <laughs> and like mesh tank tops had just come out. I mean, if we were in seventh grade, it was a long time ago, and and you know we were wearing like t-shirt. Before that, it was just like a t-shirt and like soccer shorts. Yeah, some Umbro. I remember wearing Umbros. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like these mesh shorts came out, and we had they were they were red. They were red mesh tank tops with black heat. And they yep. had black mesh shorts with our red numbers on the shorts, too. Yeah, that's right. Numbers on the shorts. That was yeah, amazing. Man. That was amazing. So those, those uniforms. And Holy Cross was traditionally always blue and white. Yeah. And we went against the grain. We had these red and black. It was great. And if, if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but um, because it was your father, my father, and Wheels' dad. Yeah. We had a meeting in my living room. Of the whole team. Okay. To figure out the name of the team. I I do remember that. I was a huge Rex Chapman fan. And still am. Rex Chapman is like my favorite basketball player Yep, yep. And it was between the Heat and the Hornets. And I lost out. Yeah. (laughs) I lost out because I wanted to. And I think I was number three for Rex Chapman in the Heat. Who, Who knows? Later on, I became Dwayne Wade. I do remember that meeting in the living room. That's a crazy
0: thing I haven't thought of. We I'm also impressed Cross by Hornets. the. What'd you say?
1: You're we almost the Holy Cross Almost
0: the, I, I'm impressed by the fact that our fathers pulled off getting those uniforms too. Like, yeah,
1: how did they do that?
0: How did the three of them? I, it would make more sense if we had some other coach that pulled it off, but our dads pulled it off, which is. I shocking. think
1: uh, they must have went to Fenton's or Murphy's. There was Murphy's right up the street.
0: Yeah, Fenton's, Murphy's, or
1: Whips. Those my father, spots. my father's not a huge like X's and O sports guy. But he was like, I remember him being the like, he was the baseball coordinator. Yep. For the, yeah. The, the <laughs> so like every team had to go to him, and like he had our our garage had was filled with like bats that were twenty eight pounds yep. up to like fifty pounds or whatever, <laughs> whatever you know, um, uh, whatever you want to call size of bats. But we had like little league bats up to like eighth grade bats in the, yeah. in the garage. So I think I played t ball with you. I think yes we did. We had we 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 knew each other before we started really hanging out.
0: Yeah. I, and I and I feel like your dad was involved with that T-ball team in some shape or form. And that was the only season of baseball I ever played.
1: Yeah, baseball's terrible. I
0: never faced a pitch in a in a real game. I'm zero pitches faced.
1: Yeah, well, I tried to play baseball until like 6th grade maybe. Yeah. And I could, I was good, except I couldn't hit, which was yeah. part of the game. You are like Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> I was Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> you might run like Mays, but you hit like S-H-I-T. <laughs> so I used to have to bunt, but you couldn't get me on a bunt. Um, but I was also scared as, Scared of the ball. Yeah. Which brings me to one of, you, one of my childhood memories with you, is one of the first times I was at your house, we had to have been in like fifth, Fifth grade, and I don't know. I don't know why I was there because you guys were at Holy Cross and I was at no, no. We were at New North together. Okay, right.
0: Probably was a half day or yeah, it makes sense. It would have been New North.
1: It might have been before New North, but anyways, we were playing wiffle ball in the backyard. You remember that? Yep, yep. And Damian Collins swung the bat and hit me square in the eye. Yep, and I was balling. And your yeah, mother, yeah, you were. Your mother took me in and like gave me ice, and I just. I just rem- I've always had a soft spot for Mary since that first time I met her. When she like, it was like she just cared for me so well as a little yeah. boy. She's very um, good I at an emergency. She in the eye, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: I do remember that. I totally remember that. Um, and the other thing I was gonna say is, it's funny. Like all my memories at your house are in Ian's bedroom, <laughs> because like every time something important was gonna happen you would take me to Ian's bedroom. So I remember listening to my first Chi Ali song mm. in Ian's bedroom, my first tribe song in Ian's mm-hmm. bedroom. Uh, obviously the Holy Cross Heat uniforms. It was yeah. like, whenever you meant business, it was like your boardroom. Like you come, come up here, we're going to E's yeah. room.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, it was an interesting age for us, right? We were that like, kind of like discovering ourselves age, like, you know, between fifth and eighth grade. And Ian was a good, Ian's a good six years older than me. Yeah. And yeah. So he was way like a little. it's not like a big brother who's just a little bit older than you. Like, yeah. he's in the whole other things, right? So like when rap music was hitting its apex in like the early nineties. Ian had all of it. We didn't have money to buy every yeah. tape that came out. No. <laughs> um, so he had everything. Then he had all the, he had all the great clothes. He had all the great music yeah Uh, he is the man so it was cool to like kind of show off that i had this cool older brother yeah and he he certainly was part
0: of making me a lot cooler along the way uh yeah i want to get into your the the new phase of life you're in but i i always have to acknowledge that you certainly introduced me to hip-hop and you certainly introduced me to a passion for style uh and that was uh you did that right in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or I'm sorry, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, uh, yeah. which is the most impactful time. So ever since then, I've definitely been into what I'm wearing and I've definitely never stopped loving hip hop. And you were uh, sort of started both those passions. Thanks. So I'd always and, appreciate and, uh, it.
1: Yeah, hip hop's just so great. And we were we were in the golden era right then, man. It's, it's awesome. But um, as far as like rocking gear, I mean, it. It was always important to me. And then, um, you know, you took, it to your, you took it to your own Timmy Allen level, too. So, like, I always, I always appreciate your style to, to this day. I'm like, oh, look at Timmy, man. Timmy's chilling. And, like, it's not like you're trying to be anybody else. You got your own style, which I think I try to have as well. Yeah, you certainly do. You certainly do.
0: I appreciate it. Uh, but listen, man, you've had some big changes as of late, and I kind of wanted to focus this conversation on that. Uh, you had an incredible blessing come into your life about four and a half months ago. So uh, why don't you start with telling us, saying the name again and, and
1: reminding us all where you got the name from. Sure. Um, so her name's Esme, E-S-M-E. Um, it's pronounced Esme, like like the letter S in the month May people say it all different ways. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's her name. Um, and her middle name's Beacon. Um, so we didn't really know what we were going to name her. Um, you know, Esme came 10 weeks early, so we weren't, we weren't, we didn't have a name. Um, and we were in, excuse me, we were in like survivor mode at that point. And so, you know, after Esme came, which is another whole story, um, we, we were in the hotel, we were in the hotel room, we were in the hospital room. Um, and it was a couple, she was a day, she was a couple of days old and, uh, Maureen always loved the name Esme. Um, she brought it up when we were talking. I was like, I don't hate it. Um, and we were like thinking about once we got along to the name Esme, like, yeah, I like it. We were thinking about like, well, we need to have some kind of name that means something great. And, um, we have a connection with uh, South Carolina, Carolina, because Maureen's parents are there. And I was like, uh, Carolina, you know, Maureen's first dance with her with her dad was um, and at our wedding was James Taylor, Carolina on my mind. And so Maureen's ha- Maureen has this connection with Carolina, which I have, too. But I was like, ah, I don't necessarily like that for a middle name. And I was thinking, well, what's a connection? What's a place for us? And so Maureen and I, we I met Maureen through you, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, through Kyle, and um, after we met our first time um, in Somerville, we went on a date on Beacon Hill, and it's because that's the only place I really knew oh, that was right. nice, right? And yeah. so, one of because I was working on Beacon Hill for Governor Patrick, and I, the only nice restaurants I ever went to was sometimes if a lobbyist or somebody or my boss would take me out, we go to a really nice restaurant on Beacon Hill. So I had Maureen meet me in the Boston Common and I brought her to a restaurant on Beacon Hill. And so we have the connection with Beacon Hill and that's one of the reasons her middle name's Beacon. And then the other one is she's really, she's truly a beacon of hope and she's a beacon of light. Um, It wasn't an easy path um, for us to get pregnant. Yeah, Um, You know, a lot of ups and downs. And you know, hopefully she's gonna be a beacon of hope or beacon of light for everybody. Yeah. Um, so that's her May Beacon. I think you probably told me that story of
0: Beacon, but I did not remember it. That's incredible. That's a great double meaning. Um, you talked about how she came early. Um, I know some okay. of the details. I don't know others. Just what did that feel like? What, how, did it, how did it
1: happen? And there, it was, it was crazy. So um, my mother happened to be in town from Maine. And, you know, sometimes we're like, hey, let's just have everybody over um so my both my brothers were over um their kids were over um so that's you know a bunch right and so my my nieces and nephews my brothers and my sister-in-law were all over and we did spaghetti and spaghetti and meatballs for the kids and it was like winding down and um Maureen went upstairs and I was like okay and 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 then I, she called me up. She's like, Ryan. And I was like, okay, I went up there and she's like, I think I, I think my water broke. Now mind you, it's November eleventh. Um SMA's due January 16th. Yeah. So I'm not even thinking about it. The weekend before, either the weekend before the weekend before that, we went to like a parenting class at Bay State. And so they're telling us all these things that I didn't know. Like how, you know, a lot of times women can go on labor at home. And you don't necessarily rush to the hospital. You, like, kind of wait it out a little bit. You know, you need this, like, I, always, I called it a bug-out bag, right? Like, if you have, yeah. to, if you have to bounce. <laughs> so, and, and um, they are talking about having, like, a speaker and a playlist and, you know, snacks for the nurses. Like, all these things. I was like, oh, we got to do all these things so when that time comes, we can be so prepared we didn't have shit, man, we didn't have shit, <laughs> and so, you know, I ran down, I didn't run downstairs, but I went downstairs, and I was like, you know, with pregnant women, you kind of have that card, like, yeah, peace, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Aunt Aunt Maureen, ain't feeling well, you guys got to bounce, like, <laughs> okay, you know, my mom, my mom got them all, they're like, all right, we're out, Um, and then we, t- we talked to the doctor, and he was like, yeah, you, you got to come in, so, thankfully, we're like, 10 minutes from Bay State. So we went to Bay State and uh, there was a midwife there because our doctor wasn't there yet and a nurse and they're like, yeah, your water broke. And so it's where the kind of the roller coaster rides, the roller coaster started, the roller coaster ride started of ups and downs. Um, you know, we've had, you know, not to get into detail, but we've had a rough history with this stuff before. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, our first instinct is like, all right, are we going to lose the baby? Yeah. Um, and so we don't know, like in, in in the movies, the water breaks, like the baby's coming. Um, so the midwife was kind of giving us the the feeling that Maureen was going to have an emergency C-section like that night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, then the doctor came in, the doctor checked her, and said, yeah, your water broke, but we're going to, we're going to keep you pregnant for as long as we can. Um, and usually, that can mean up to four weeks if they do it correctly. Wow! The best place for a baby is in its mother's womb and um, the fluid, the ambiotic fluid gets replaced. Cause I was like, Oh, the water broke. So what is, how can it breathe? But it gets replaced. And so they just, they just watch her. And so we went from thinking she was going to have an emergency C-section that night to her being in the hospital for four weeks because she didn't go home. She would stay at the hospital for, for four weeks. Maureen happened to have friends coming in at that same time for her baby shower, which was that. Yeah, weekend. That's right. So her baby shower is that weekend. She's got her family flying in from South Carolina, a friend from California, a friend from Texas and a friend from Ohio all staying at the crib. So, so they bring her upstairs from the, like the the first place and get her a room and they're trying to keep her pregnant. So she stays pregnant throughout the night and then we get back to the next day and my mother, um, had come. And so her contraction started getting worse and worse. Um, and a funny story was, and Maureen's tough as hell, man. She's like, she's way tougher than me. Like I was just crying over my elbow <laughs> two seconds ago. Cause I, I took a little fall down the stairs, but, um, she's really tough. So, but it was bothering her. I could tell the contraction. So they were like, do you want something for it? And one of the things they give you, which I didn't really know, I, I heard about it, but I didn't really know. Is legit. Like laughing gas. Wow. Um, wow. So, but they, they, the, the, the mother is in charge, right? So the the pregnant woman's in charge of the gas and it only comes when they put it over their mouth and suck. And so they, they wanted the people from the NICU to come down and talk to us because when the baby comes that early, um, there's a lot of different things that happen. It's not normal. Yeah. And so they're like, we don't think the baby's coming anytime early. They're checking her over and over again, dilation, all that jazz. Um, and in the span of a couple hours, Maureen went from like, and I don't know all the technical numbers, but she went from like, we don't think it's coming to like, it's coming. So wow. the, the funny story is though, so she's doing this gas for, for contractions. And so when the contractions start, she you know, puts it over her mouth and she sucks in. And it's, it basically takes the edge off. It still hurts, but it takes the edge off. Then this doctor um, from the NICU comes down. And you think about like, all right, the NICU doc the NICU doctor, he works on premature babies. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not a labor doctor. He doesn't know anything about women parts. He's not, knows how to deliver baby, all that stuff. I'd rather have him than me, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like, he's trying to tell us all these things about the NICU. And every 30 seconds or so, Maureen's like looking him dead in the eyes and grabs the mask. is like sucking as hard as she can. (laughs) He's from like, um, he's from Kathmandu. No, he's from Nepal. Okay. That would have been a funny story. That would have been really. (laughs) He's from Nepal, which is, you know, it's not close, but it's it's insane somewhat region. Um, But he's Nepalese. And so he has a little bit of an accent and everything. And so he's like, by like the third or fourth time Maureen sucks in, he's like, I'm out of here. Like I, sh- these contractions are coming and they're coming fast and strong. And I just don't. <laughs> like, we can talk about it some other time. So then so then I go out to the to the nurse. And I'm like, something's going on. Maureen's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I was like, that's not a good sign either. And so when I come back into the room. Maureen's got hands on both walls. Like, she's like, it's, it's it's coming, I think. And the doctor's like, you feel like you got a poop? She's like, yeah. She's like, well, it's coming. Oh, so wow. She's wow. like, we got to get her up in the bed. So they got her up in the bed. And, like, it was, like, 15 minutes, if that. Yeah. I had one leg. The nurse had, you know, I, I, I think about guys being in there when the baby comes. Yeah, but not. I didn't know the- I was going to be, like, active
0: yeah
1: yeah um so i'm holding one leg nurse is holding the other leg we had this cute little short doctor um she was like she's was, she's was a rock star and so she's like looking she's like all right it's coming i think you know we're we'll just hang in there she turns around and then she turns back and she's suited up it was she was like a superhero <laughs> she had like a gown on she had these the thing over her head the gloves the thing over, i was like whoa she's like ready to go and so one of the things the NICU doctor said and, and she said is that there's going to be a lot of people in this room when the baby comes. Yeah. So the NICU team comes down and they're in the corner of the room and they have the isolate and all these different machines ready to go. There's probably half a dozen, if not 10 of them. Um, and so I'm holding the leg, other nurses holding the leg, doctors delivering a baby and there's like, you know, eight people in the corner like all wow. up. Wow. and so they're like it's going to be scary don't be overwhelmed they're there to make sure the baby's okay um but there's a good chance that you know we take the baby and we just give it to the NICU team and they have it and like they have to work on her you're not going to be able to cut the cord dad mom you're not going to be able to hold her to your chest so there's a good chance of that happening um but when Esme came the doctor like took a look at her and was like, she was pretty, pretty good. So she actually um, let me cut the cord and then let Maureen see her for a little bit. And then they took her and they worked on her. It's scary. Like they're, they're breathing for her with that, that like um, suction thing. whatever you want to call it? The bellow. Um, And she goes in a little isolate and they put her in this like, freaky like a plastic bag um to keep germs away wow like it's it's they know what they're doing um i have some pictures of it it's kind of crazy yeah. and so the other thing is you know maureen it was a vaginal birth it was um she didn't have any drugs besides the laughing gas and that's obviously not doesn't last yeah um because it happened so fast she wasn't able to get anything Um, so the doctor had to work on her a bit and they said dad you can go up to the NICU and visit the baby and then we got to come back and mom can come back later so I got I I was scared as hell man I was I was up there and I I got to see my baby but it was she was she was tiny and she was in an incubator and it's scary how much Um, did she weigh three pounds eight ounces so she's not you know for for being 10 weeks early she and she was 15 inches being ten weeks early, she was um, she was good size, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, "Wow, she's good size for being that early." Um, there's definitely babies a lot smaller than her that come earlier than her, or even smaller than her when come when she came. So, you know, she was in the NICU for a while. Well, Maureen got to go see her, and um, you know, Maureen Maureen had a lot of different emotions going on, um, but she was a trooper. She's a rock star. Yeah. Um, that I had to go. I went to the shower in her stead, um, and some of the women who were there had no clue. They're like, "Where's Maureen?" And I was like, Maureen, "Maureen, had the baby." They're like, what? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, "I gave a speech. It was it was better than that." But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had to give a little speech, and it was. And then you know, you talk about coronavirus now. Like then, I was like, I can't hug or touch with any of you guys. Yeah. Like, so I can't bring anything back to the baby. So yeah. we've kind of been, we've been like isolating, not quarantined. We've been yeah. isolating for, since November. So this is old hat to us. Yeah, no, I know, I know.
0: Um, yeah. So you guys were basically living at the NICU for, I forget exactly how long. What's it's up, Mike dog?
1: Um, I, what's going on, buddy? Yeah. so How many weeks was it? we were there for 49 days. So there's two different places. There's the NICU, which is like very intense care. Uh, then they have a step down called CCR, which is like critical care. Um, but I mean, it's, it's the NICU. It's it's pretty similar. Um, one of the things that's real. one of the two things, um, one thing that was like a real saving grace was, um, when I lived in Boston, I met a girl named Laura who was going to Tufts or doing her residency or something um, in Boston at the time. And so she, we became good friends back in the day. And now she's a, she's a neonatologist at Bay State. And so when I went to the NICU, I, I had no clue. i, Big I knew surprise. Was Big surprised You had a connection. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a connection. <laughs> um, and then that wasn't the only one. Every, like every, every nurse was like either thought I was Christian or knew me or it was good. Yeah, having a doctor who is watching your uh preemie baby in a NICU who you know is like yeah. gold. So, yeah. you know, it gave me a bit of a, pe- a bit of peace of mind. And then the other thing at Bay State is they're they're really good. Everybody, you know, they brag about Base State. Base State's really good. Um they did this thing called they do this thing called kangaroo care, which is basically um a mother and father's bare chest holding the baby helps the baby. Yeah, and so even when she was in the NICU and she had all the wires and tubes and stuff, you, we were able to hold her against our chest and, and wow. really have that connection. So, yeah, we were there for forty nine days. It was it was crazy. Um, you know, we weren't living there, living there, um, but we were there all the time. I was working. Um, Maureen obviously was not, so Maureen was there as, as much as she could be. Um, we did sleep over a couple times, so you get used to kind of a schedule. Yeah. Um. You know, Maureen was was work, working on. um, Excuse me, nursing. Um. So it does. It gets. It it got really Groundhog Day ish. Um. You know, at, friends and family were awesome. Um. Like the thing that we did, that meal train thing. I didn't think when I when somebody first suggested it, I was like, we can eat, we can do. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just knowing that, like, all right, like we have a meal, we don't have to do the perennial like, what do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. I'll eat anything. Okay. I don't think you know, any couples, Chinese, anything, but Chinese, you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: I don't think any couples ever had a better meal train than you guys. We, we signed up and by the time it was our time to buy a meal, you didn't want any more meals. It was, yeah, man. It was You guys it, it had it was, so, that was amazing. We're, lucky.
1: we're super lucky to have the friends and family we do. And, and, and the other piece was that people, people kept saying like, it'll give, it'll give people something to, to do for you because people yeah. want to do something for you. It's, yeah. almost, it's almost more for them than it is for you. Um, which is great, man. It's, it's, it, that's great. Not a lot of people can have that. So we're yeah. lucky. We're blessed.
0: So I got one more question on those seven weeks. Mm. Um, one thing I've always admired about you and learned from you is you're just not one to complain about your life or your lot in life or your current circumstance in a world where everybody is pretty, a lot of people are self-absorbed and can't see past what they're dealing with. You kind of never put what you're dealing with on anyone else. Uh, Maureen might say differently, she lives with you, but as a friend, uh, you're not one to like gripe about yourself. Um, so, but that said that that's seven weeks. I'm just curious. I mean, how did you personally, and then with and for Maureen, like what was the mentality that allowed you to stay positive and stay optimistic and stay upbeat and just continue through Groundhog day? You know what?
1: Yeah, the inside or what in your head worked? I don't know, man. I, 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 when people say it all the time, but I really believe it is like things can always be worse, right? And so there could have been a lot of other things that happened in that situation where there is no SMA, right? You know, and maybe I'm such an optimist, maybe because I think that I can think of what the pessimistic things would be. Yeah. Um. And so I ate, I ate a lot of food through it, Yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. I, I, I internalize a lot of my grief and pain and yep. struggling um, and maybe, you know, food and maybe a beer or two might be the way I kind of um, deal with it but I I also knew I wasn't anywhere in the near the emotional state that my wife was. Um, You know, I, I, I always knew that mothers had a huge connection to their, to their child, but every day we left that NICU was like the most devastating day in Maureen's life. Yeah. Me, I, I wanted to take her home, but I didn't. Right, yeah. like I'm like she's cool there. Yeah, <laughs> she's four pounds and she's on oxygen and she's on yeah. a feeding tube. Like, we can't take her home. Yeah, um, but Maureen, you know, a mother leaving her daughter is like crazy, and so, you know, I knew I had to be, you know, positive for her. Um, and so I don't know what I I didn't I I don't know if I just do it like kind of dig deep or I, I I didn't necessarily. I,
0: I think you're right with what you said. I mean, I think, I think you've always been that way, is you can always see what would be worse, and so you can compare it to what would be worse. Uh,
1: yeah, and I'm not super religious guy. I'm not saying, like, I'm blessed, all that stuff. Just I'm, I'm lucky, Yeah. right? And so there's a lot of other people. Like, we saw some families in there in the NICU. There, I mean, those kids are screwed, man. I mean, ho- hopefully not. I'm not trying to be a pessimist now, but, you know, based on their parents that were yeah. with them um based on you know you know there was one there was one couple where like the dude got the dude wound up getting she had to get a restraining order against the dude like that like there like he was yeah. there one day and he wasn't there again yeah And she was alone 90 percent of the dates yeah and so like you know things could always be a lot worse um i'm lucky there's so many things that could be worse for us um but yeah, you just got to dig. I mean, I, and I, I guess I internalize, I, t- I internalize a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think we're similar in that sense because I, I, I probably learned it partly from you, but I can
0: always juxtapose my current situation yeah. with something that could be worse. Uh,
1: yeah. And well, my, it's family, not like it's guilt. Really, my family, yeah, I don't have, really have this huge annoyed. guilt of like, you know, yeah. some people make their lot in life. So I don't necessarily feel horrible for everybody, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse. And I try yeah. to do what I can to help people who have it worse you know yeah
0: yeah and I and for me personally I'm always uh the big one for me is I just say to my friends or my family especially like if we if we're not dealing with terminal cancer then we can cope you know and if someday we will be dealing with that I'm sure and even then we'll have to have a good mindset but it there's always this whole other world of badness that could be going on that other people have have to deal with
1: yeah the last piece on it it was Again, she was she 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 was a beacon, right? And so, you know, we had a lot of struggles getting to have, yeah. her. and so having her ha- as messed up as the situation was and imperfect as it was it was much better than not having her. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right.
0: So the other day, with all this time in my social isolation, I was cleaning out my closet, moving Uh-oh. a bunch of old. It was and I found a children's book and I opened it to the first page and I had written a note in there that it was the first book I had ever read Mela. Okay. I, I even had the date I read it to her. It was a week or two, It was probably about two weeks after she was born. And I said in that book, I said, she literally was quiet. She was attentive. And she literally seemed to be looking at the pages as I yeah. was reading. And I, I didn't know what that meant at the time. Right. But like knowing mayla now like mayla takes everything in she pays attention to everything she's chill yeah thinks you know and so part of me when i saw that children's book the other day thought that even in that tiny moment when she was that young it was a bit of a glimpse into her personality sure so so play that out with me what are you seeing in the first four and a half months what are you seeing of of windows into esme's personality
1: um I think like her father, she's a people person, right? Okay. So, and maybe it's because she was alone in the NICU, yep. right? So a lot of times, um, you know, there's a lot of nurses and everything there, but they're they're by themselves in the isolate. And so when, uh, Esme sleeps fine. She's she's a decent sleeper. She's sleeping alone now, but if she had her druthers, she'd be being held by mom or dad. And that, And maybe that's, nothing special for any baby i'm sure most babies like to be held by mom and dad but she she digs us and she and she um you know when my mother was here and my brother met her and maureen's folks are here for a long time um she likes being with people
0: yeah, yeah. that's very cool i could see that mm-hmm. and you're right being your child that's probably a good
1: thing <laughs> yeah she better than, be yeah. a good attribute for her oh so my wife my wife isn't quite the same kind of people person i am but yeah. Uh, she's still give me, give me it, a hard time for that but cute. she's just she's just a little bit more uh, uh private sure. yeah yeah
0: uh so you said she sleeps pretty well yeah. uh what what um now that she's home you know seems pretty seems very healthy and is getting into a daily life routine kind of thing yeah. even amidst this world craziness uh what's the hardest part what drives you crazy about having an infant in the house
1: it's it. I mean, it is different. She, I mean, she doesn't cry and wail, but it seems like you know, it, it's Groundhog Day ish. But throughout yeah. the day, so she 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 uh, she sleeps. She wakes up. She eats. We're whole. SMA, so she's still. You know, she's a preemie, so she's still like. There's this whole thing called the adjusted age. So we always have to like subtract two two months from how old she is and so one thing she has a little bit of reflux so after she eats we have to hold her upright so she doesn't spit up too much so she eats we hold her for 15 minutes then we try to get her to sleep she goes to sleep she wakes up she eats and so now with the corona you know uh working from home thing is like maureen maureen's finally back to work but she's working from home i'm working from home and then esme is here and fight dogs, five dogs, low maintenance, but he's still, you got to care for the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to yeah. feed him and take him for walks and let him out. And so the four of us are just here. And, yeah. uh, you know, my, my work life isn't normal. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I just close a, like I can close a big client in like a day. And then all of a sudden I'm like, yo, I got to talk to this guy at two. Like I have talked to him at two. Yep. Talked him at one fifty nine. Yeah. Called him at three. I got to talked to this guy at two. Yeah. In the higher, my stupid ass. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but two o'clock is when you know Maureen was supposed to like watch some video for work, and who's gonna do something with Esme. So yeah. it's not normal because of the virus having us here. Um, so there's struggles with us caring for her while we're both trying to work. Yeah. So my mother was supposed to come here Saturday. We told her not to come. She was coming here Saturday because Maureen was going to go to work. Yeah. And then I was going to be at work sometimes. My mother would be here to watch her. Um, so now, you know, we don't have defined lines about who's watching Esme at that time. Um, but, and then outside of the, outside of the new world we're in, you know, late at night when she's not wanting to sleep it's not fun yeah Um, and we you know everybody has their own different styles of how they get their baby to sleep and we we have this one where you know there's a woman who she's got a pun in her name her name's kara so like her her thing's called taking care of babies nice solid solid (laughs) <laughs> she's got this style. It's kind of European, but not. Nah, and like, babies make noise. You don't have to pick them up every time. And so, you know, in the middle of the night, that's and she's sleeping in the, in a bassinet next to our bed. The middle of the night, she's making noise. Yeah. Right? And you know, and they're right. Just like I make noise when I sleep. Human beings make noise when they sleep. Yeah. You don't pick them up every time. Yeah. And so she'll be making noise, and I'll be like, babe. Like she's hungry or something. You need to do something. And more he's like, no. And then, like, but it's four in the morning. And so <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm just picking it up. Like, I'm just picking her up. So we get a little tiffs and stuff like that. So she's good. I mean, I've I have i am not I'm not a poopy guy. I think Esme knows that. I've only I've only had a couple poopy diapers. Literally. Like I'll change them. I'm not saying like I won't change a poopy diaper, but every diaper I change seems to be pee. And Maureen gets Maureen gets gets a, a larger proportion of, of poopy diapers. Which I'm like, there you go, girl. There you go, um, nice work. I thought the spit up would be more gross than it is. Like she spits up all over. Like this is actually a gray sweater. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> she spits up. She spits up all over. The place not, not a, more than any other baby, but she does. And so that stuff that I thought would bother me doesn't because it's yep. her. And we do a lot of dancing. We do a lot of dancing to, uh, to jams in the in the, in the in the living room. So. Yeah, well,
0: they say the baby in the first year get their rhythm from how their parents dance, you know. We dance. She dances, man. I'm sure she'll be all right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny um, for you because in our large network of friends, in many ways, not the first, but like, you know, uh, I had my first daughter before most anybody had a kid. And yeah when I think back, like, you know, I heard some stories about having a baby and of course I took classes and stuff, but I didn't really have a network of friends who could give me advice uh, or tell me all the stuff you just said. Like, yeah. uh, whereas you've been the opposite. You went late on our friend. Yeah, home, the last one. Yeah. So you've had probably too much advice or too many opinions. Uh, but I I will ask them. My final baby question is just, uh, you know, it's, it's a cheesy question. It can't help but be a cheesy answer probably, but you know, you've, you've been you as an individual for a long time. And the minute she came into the world, that individuality changes and uh, how has it changed you already? Uh, How has this given you a different lens, a different perspective, a different feeling?
1: Um, it's a tough question not to have a cheesy answer, and I'm not trying not to have a cheesy answer, but, um, you know, you, you do, there's a different kind of love that you've never experienced before, right? And so you love your family, your mother, your father, your brothers, you love your boys and stuff, and then you love your wife in like a romantic way, but loving um, a child is a different kind of love that you don't experience until you actually have that child um i'm not saying that you have to it has to physically be yours um yeah. but it's it's freaky and it's and it's scary um and then one of the things that's re- weird is that you'll look at her and it's like that that's half me yeah and like, sometimes she looks like i'm like she looked like me yeah like, <laughs> that, that's me and then other times she looks like my wife um and recently she looked like Shay a couple times so she looked like my nephew like she's yep. a McCullum, right yeah 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 um and so it is it's like it's life-changing because it is scary like i'm in charge of this human being yeah um and it is a different kind of love that i'm happy i finally have yeah um, so that's you know and I, I guess i'm more careful except when i'm falling down the stairs <laughs> yeah yeah um, but I try to be more careful about stuff, especially around her and then with myself because I need to be around for her.
0: Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, well, I'm so excited for you guys, man, and so happy for you. And it's been, from afar, it was awesome to watch you deal with that first two months. And unfortunately, still from afar, uh, it's been awesome to see your little videos and see the, see the smiles that
1: you guys are having over there. Yeah, um, you'll get to meet her, man. I know you guys want to meet her bad. And it was just oh, like, well. Yeah. He, and she was right on the cusp like yeah i right, know right like right on the cusp of like coronavirus like there would there might have been like if the coronavirus waited a couple weeks yeah like, they might have had a little weekend or two where there, people might have really got to see her but yeah no nobody no I, I none of my friends have seen her really yeah yeah um, well
0: the videos and stuff you share help and uh just knowing that she's here and she's doing well that's all yeah uh, at this point, I, I want to see – I really want to see Esme, but I really want to see anybody at this point. Yeah, it's
1: it's tough that's for it's tougher, it's tougher, <laughs> it's extroverts like us, man. I yeah. like around people. No. Like, uh, I like uh, try to meet new people like every day. Like I I'm like, behind like 30 days. <laughs> All right. So
0: to end, we're playing yeah. five questions. Uh-oh. You 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 You, you, you got to be pretty quick in your responses. They're not to be overthought. Um, we want your initial reactions. Um, certainly if you have more than one answer, that's okay. Um, but I got five questions to close out here. First one, what is your all time favorite cereal? Cinnamon toast crunch. Yes. Nice
1: call. Uh, favorite book or books. My favorite book is actually a book I stole from your father which is wow. self-reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Wow. So I'm a big Emerson guy. Like he's my North star. He's that's I'm an Emersonian. So, yeah, See,
0: that's why I'm doing this podcast, because as much as I know about you and as many memories that we have, I did not know that. I did not yeah, know. Yeah, that.
1: I'm a big Emerson guy. Um, outside that, it's my favorite. My, my favorite novel is To Kill a Mockingbird by far. To kill All a right. Favorite TV oh, and show? Atticus Finch is like my North Star too. But you know <laughs> <laughs> these these old white guys. Um, we'll go ahead. What was that favorite, third favorite TV show? I mean, The Wire. It's an easy one. Outside of The Wire, The Cosby Show. All right, the Cosby yeah. Show is just awesome. Favorite movie? I was trying to think about this the other day because everybody's doing all these lists of things. Right. so Hard. It's so hard. Um, You can give me a couple. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, You know, I'm probably your... I mean, I know you got some college friends who watch a lot of movies, but I'm probably your biggest movie guy. The biggest media consumer, period. (laughs) I mean, I have to say Scarface because I love Scarface. I do love Pacino in that movie. It's deeper than it just being like this movie about this... Drug lord. Um, so I really, really do. I, I I would say Scarface. I'm not even going to say any other movies. I'm going um, to Scarface. And last one, and this is yeah. even more fitting in social isolation.
0: If if you could go out tonight and go to any restaurant you know of, what is your favorite restaurant that you would go eat at tonight?
1: In the world, I'll let. Yeah, we we go wherever you want to go. Shit. I guess I would go... and I've never been there, though, so I don't even know if it's a fair answer, but I would go to French Laundry in in Sonoma, California, which is like the restaurant you got. It takes like two years to be on the waiting list.
0: I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it.
1: Yeah, it's called French Laundry. It's in Sonoma. All right. Um,
0: What about a local one that you've been to, too?
1: Treva, West Hartford. All right. Treva's, Treva's good. And a close second to Treva, and it's a more emotional thing, would be um firebox in Hartford. Okay. I, I got in I proposed to my wife at Firebox and it's it's an old fire station in the hood. Yeah. And you've been to Firebox? I is it is it a brewery? Nope.
0: No, then I have it like it.
1: it's got it's got like exposed bricks, but it's a um it's a farm to table restaurant in Hartford, near the state house, in the middle of the hood that used to be a fire station. Um, that's
0: not the one that's not the farm to table we went to before
1: John Legend. It might be. Hold on. Maureen's in earshot. Babe, did we go to Firebox with Timmy and Della before John Legend? Yep.
0: Yeah, I knew I'd been there. All right. Yep. Um, Yeah, Trevor's great, too. So it was a
1: good answer. I love Trevor.
0: Yeah. One of our last nights out before all this was in West Hartford with the Berkey's. We had a hotel, and that was one of our restaurant stops. It was great.
1: yeah. No more. I like those. I like those rapid fire. I was I already thinking about like what album I'd have to be on a desert. island with. Netflix. Don't worry. If I keep this alive, this was just our first of a few Ryan
0: McCollum drop-ins. All right, man. Um, but listen, man, I'm so happy for you with Esme Beacon. Love the yeah. story you told. Um,
1: One person wants to say hello. Bro.
0: All right. What do you think we're getting listeners? You think we're getting Maureen? Esme or fife dog. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we're getting fife dog.
1: <laughs> My guy. That's Esme your guy. Esme's sleeping. Esme's sleeping and uh look at him. Esme, he's like a like a Muppet. Esme's <laughs> sleeping and wifey's downstairs and doing laundry. So
0: well, thank you so much for being a guest, man, and thank you for everything as a friend. No uh, problem, man.
1: Thanks for having me, man. This is cool.
0: Yeah, man. You know I love you. I appreciate it. We'll have you back and uh, keep up the good work as a father.
1: Thanks, man. Get a screenshot get a screenshot of this. All right, I will.
0: Hold Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let me let me yeah, to the KIF. Ain't got no time for shucking and Keep it moving, yeah, yeah. Keep it moving, yeah, yeah, to the KIM.
1: Keep it moving, true that to the KIM. Ain't got no time for shucking and jiving.